Welcome everyone. Uh, this is uh, Gaurav here at another episode of Covera Insights, where we speak to industry leaders uh, about what matters most um, for your investments. Today we have a special personality with us, uh, Vivek Kaul. He's the author of multiple books, including the bestseller trilogy on the history of money called Easy Money. He wrote a book on India's big government. He writes regularly for multiple publications on issues relating to India's economy and monetary and fiscal policies. Uh, you would have heard him on Econ Central and Cyrus Says podcast. Talks about Bollywood, cricket, and economics with equal alarm. Uh, and he's back with his latest book on the NPM mess in the Indian banking sector, suitably titled Bad Money. Uh, he's also a Rashi boy, just like me, so that's our special connect. Uh, and you can read more about him on his newly launched blog, vivekcall.com. So let's start, Vivek. Uh, tell us more about Bad Money. Uh, what's it about? Tell us more about the whole NPMS. Is right. there a light at the end of the tunnel? Where are we headed? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, uh, so bad money uh, essentially uh, is this book that I've written on uh, bad loans of banks. Now, bad loans uh, are essentially loans which have been defaulted on uh, for a period of ninety days or more. Uh, and uh, you know, typically, what happens is book titles need to sound uh, in a certain way, right? I mean, like Hindi films need to have happy endings, so book titles need to sound in a certain way. So a book title cannot be bad loans. Right. Nobody is going right. to buy that book. It's going to. It'll come. You know, it'll become like an art movie, which no one really. Everyone will praise, but no one will really watch. So yeah. it'll be something like that. So I didn't want you know that fate uh, to impact the book. So essentially, uh, I came up with this title, "Bad Money," and "Bad Money" is nothing but a reflection of the uh, total, you know, huge amount of bad loans uh, in the Indian banking system. In particular, uh, the public sector banking system. Uh, essentially, you know, banks which are majorly owned by the government. uh the reason uh, you know why i wrote this book was very simple because uh, my editor at harper collins uh, essentially approached me with this idea and i was initially very hesitant because uh, you know up until uh, when he approached me with this idea sometime in uh, uh, late 2018 i had been writing on bad loans for almost 5 years and i was you know kind of bored with it and uh, and and you when when you write a book at least in my case the idea is also to learn as you go along i mean there's no point in writing a book on something which you already know 100% i mean at least i wouldn't i would never do that uh, uh and then i was i was i was uh, you know very reluctant for a while and then wh- what happened was funnily one day after i had had lunch and i was like snoozing for a while i i got this title in my head bad money and i quite loved uh, the title and then i sort of uh, uh, said okay let's write this book and you know to my great surprise uh, there was great learning while writing uh, the book i mean a lot of concepts which you think are clear uh, are not very clear when uh, when you have to write a full book you know it's it's one thing writing an 800 word column and getting away with a lot of things which you don't really understand well uh, but when you're writing a book that uh, is around 90000 words long uh you need to be conceptually uh, very very clear because otherwise it will start showing uh you know in the it will show in the book i mean a reader will figure out very very quickly ki isko kuch matlab isko samajh mein nahi aaya fir bhi isne likha hai so so simplistically uh, so, speaking vivek uh, what's the npa problem india is facing 
So basically, just to put what it in context on what we are talking about, just to put it in context, you know, if you can just explain what an NPA is, why is it an issue, and what is the magnitude of the problem? Right. Uh, what is the generally accepted magnitude of the problem, and what you do you think the real magnitude of the problem okay. can possibly be? Okay. Okay. Lots right. of questions. I'll try answering them one by one. Sure. So NPA is non-performing asset. Uh, popularly known as bad loans. Bad loans, as I explained, uh, essentially loans which are largely loans which have been defaulted for 90 days or more. Uh, now, how did the problem uh, sort of come to the fore? Uh, so basically what happened was, uh, and I mean, you would remember this very well, uh, between, uh, there are two parts to it essentially. So between uh, 2004 and 2006, India grew at a very rapid rate of, uh, you know, greater than 9%. And people essentially, yeah, and you know, I mean, I mean, you, you, you would have seen those uh, days. And, you know, I know for sure that my salary got revised at least three times in one year. Okay. Right. And I was like, what's happening? So, so. So, uh, so those were the days, and 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 you know when when India grew at at at, at uh, greater than nine percent for three years, which hadn't happened before and which hasn't happened since, uh, people started to assume that you know we are the next China, and you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. essentially a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of businessmen uh, started to prepare for that consistent nine percent growth. So people got into new infrastructure projects, new power projects. And uh, a lot of all your all your PPT started looking phenomenal. All your returns and all your yes, projects yes. started looking phenomenal because you're planning for nine percent yes. GDP growth plus six percent for your project. So, fifteen percent growth guaranteed. IRR to twenty percent. Twenty percent. So, so this happened, and right. <clears throat> so this was one part. Uh, what people had not bargained for was that was the red tapeism in hmm. the Indian bureaucracy or the Indian system as such, or, you know, let me just show off my Hindi here a little or what, what we call Lal Fita Shahi in Hindi. So us Lal Fita Shahi ke chakkar mein kya hua ki, you know, a lot of these projects, which essentially uh, had timelines, you know, three years, four years, never really got started. And when projects did not start, obviously there was no way these guys could repay loans. So this was one first part of the problem. The second part of the problem happened uh, sometime in early 2009. Uh, uh, you know, Manmohan Singh was the finance minister for a brief while. And he had to undergo a cardiac, uh, you know, an, an operation. And uh, so Pranab Mukherjee, for some reason, took over as, uh, as, as the finance minister. And Pranab Mukherjee, being Pranab Mukherjee, was still stuck in the 80s. And in order to pump prime the Indian economy after the financial crisis, in order to continue driving growth, uh, he essentially encouraged public sector banks to continue lending. So, so public sector banks essentially between 2009 and 2011, uh, uh, you know, gave out loans left, right and center without really uh, getting into the fact that whether this guy or whether this company is in a position to or will be in a position to repay loans. So all this started to unravel sometime in 2011. Now, why it started to unravel? One was because, as I said, red tapism. The second thing that happened was because the government was, one, uh, you know, pushing public sector banks to for, uh, spend money and two, spending a lot of money on its own in order to drive growth, inflation crossed 10%. Now, when inflation crossed 10%, interest rates obviously had to be higher than 10%. So all these businessmen got squeezed uh, 
one because interest rates were very very high and two because there was no cash flow coming in now obviously in the first uh, first two three years of this problem the rbi reserve bank chose to look the other way or what they call uh, regulatory forbearance now regulatory forbearance kicking is the can down the road ha i mean kicking the can down the road or it's essentially looking the other way in the yeah. hope that something will happen and everything itself, will be fine once again you know it's like uh, uh, you know ostrich and ostrich burying its head yeah. you know the, the myth of an ostrich burying its head uh, in, into sand when there is when there is trouble uh, the so so rbi did nothing and uh, and and they essentially uh, there was some good logic to it it's not like it was just uh, you know it, it 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 i mean i wouldn't call it a bad decision hmm. uh, and there was there was logic to it the logic was that the indian system as such was not uh, uh, you know uh, uh, was not structured in a way wherein a bank could go out use the legal system and get back uh you know by selling the collateral get get back a portion of its bad loans okay the system wasn't built like that our bankruptcy proceedings and and so on and so everything ha huh? our system didn't work like that also what had happened was that you know in in uh, in, in 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 the mid to late 1980s uh uh we we had a deputy finance minister minister of state for finance called uh, janardhan pujari now janardhan pujari had essentially Uh, launched these loan melas and because of these loan melas a lot of public sector banks ended up with huge bad loans so in 93 94 uh, the, the bad loans on the books of public sector banks were close to 25% and what happened over the next 12 years was that as banking took off uh, and as more and banks went out and gave out more and more loans those bad loans became a very small proportion of the uh, overall loans that banks had given out so the hope was that banks will continue to give out these huge loans and uh, in the process the bad loans will become a very small part of uh, the overall banking system but the trouble was that by 2013 14 the indian banking system was too big in comparison to what it was back in the 90s uh so all this sort of uh, you know essentially went on for a while and the first time at least in the public domain the rbi recognized this bad loans problem was when dr raguram rajan as uh, the governor of the rbi uh, made a speech in anand it was the dr varghese kurian uh, memorial speech where he talked about these bad loans he talked about all these big corporate fat cats who had Uh, defaulted on these loans so this was the first time that the rbi someone at the rbi spoke publicly about all this and then in 2015 the rbi essentially launched something known as the asset quality review where uh, they essentially went through the books of the banks you know one by one and and sort of uh, pushed them to recognize bad loans as bad loans and this is when the gravity of the problem started to come out and over the next 3 years a lot of these bad loans uh, you know eventually were declared as bad loans and as of march 2018 the npas of public sector banks in india peaked at uh, 8.95 8.96 lakh crore right the total npas in the banking system peaked at 10.36 lakh crore as, as a gross uh, npa this would be around how much this is gross npa this would be for public sector banks i think it would be around 15% 15% aha uh-huh. and and in if if you looked at uh, loans given to industry uh, the number was greater than 20% so 
So more than a fifth of uh, bad loans, uh, you know, had accumulated. More than a fifth of the loans were uh, bad loans in case of public sector banks. So now what is the cost of this? The cost of, there are multiple costs. Uh, the first cost is that the, the government has to keep these banks going, right? I mean, you can't let these banks go bust. So essentially, you have to put new money into these banks. When you put new money into these banks, obviously, uh, that money could have gone somewhere else. So one of the things, if, if, if you sort of uh, follow the media closely, uh, you will realize that defense spending in India has been largely stagnant over the years. And, you know, the reason for this lies in the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of money has been going to uh, stuff which, uh, you know, it shouldn't have otherwise, uh, you know, including the bank recapitalization uh, plan. Uh, so that was the second thing that happened that happens is that, uh, you know, when, when there are bad loans and in order to sort of, uh, you know, pump up your profit a little, uh, the banks cut deposit interest rates fast, but they don't cut cut lending interest rates fast enough. So essentially what happens is the depositor loses out, whereas the lender does not gain as much. So essentially the interest rates are higher than what they otherwise would uh, have been. And so that's the cost of, so if if you, so, and this is something that Dr. Rajan made, uh, you know, he made a point in one of his speeches that uh, a a power company in India uh, was paying, you know, interest rates of 13 to 14%. Whereas you could get a home loan for 10%, I mean, which was crazy. Right? Yeah. So, so an individual had more credit worthiness than companies operating in the power sector, simply because, uh, you know, the risk of uh, lending loans in, uh, in, in the power sector was so high that, you know, that risk had to be priced in, into the interest rate and hence the interest rate was on, on, on the higher side. So, you know, these are some of the costs that uh, the system as a whole had to uh, bear. What also happened was that uh, some of the public sector banks, I think they were total at one point of time, 11 public sector banks had been put under what the RBI called the prompt corrective action framework, which was essentially nothing but a, you know, a complicated term for letting, not letting the banks do any business. You, know, hmm. you don't take deposits, you don't give loans, you just sit and do nothing in order to ensure that your bad loans don't go up. Now, when a scenario like this uh, played out, what happened was that the interest rate differential between private banks and public sector banks went up. So because the public sector banks were not lending, private banks were able to charge a higher rate of interest than they otherwise would have. And, you know, the cost of all this has to be borne by the man on the street, you know, one way or another. It's just that we don't realize it. If, 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 we, if we kind of drill down to that point, and I was going to ask you this as my next question. Uh, how much more are we paying for our auto loans, for our home loans? Uh, because banks have to provision for this NPA mess, as you call it, these bad loans. Um, so are we, uh, is it almost like a tax on everyone who's taking a loan in India today? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I haven't seen a proper calculation on whether it's half a percent more or 1% more, but I mean, uh, common sense tells you that, yes, it is a tax on everyone yeah. who is taking a loan. Yeah. That is, in fact, uh, I, uh, you know, in, in, in case of, uh, I mean, from what I remember vaguely, I had done, I mean, it, the comparison is there in the book where I compare 
the interest rate differential between uh, public private sector banks and public sector banks and that had significantly widened after banks were put under after public sector banks were put under a pca framework so that you know essentially what it means is that the guy who goes to a private bank to get a loan ended up paying more than he otherwise would have so obviously it was a tax on him and and that's why i think what happens is people don't really kind of realize you know and and it happens very often because some of these concepts are abstract right so when you read about npas when you read about bad loans um and there's not as much clarity right it's it's not like you know exactly what is going on some of these numbers oh, are obfuscated in different ways Which is true. Also, what happens is, you know, in economics, there are seen effects and there are unseen effects. Yep. So the seen effect in case of the entire NPA problem is very straightforward, where uh, the government has to recapitalize uh, the public sector banks, has to invest more money in them in order to keep them going, and because that money goes there, it doesn't go somewhere else. So this is the seen effect. The unseen effect is that uh, private banks end up charging a higher rate of interest than they otherwise would have. Now this is the unseen effect. The other unseen effect is that money which ends up in banking doesn't end up somewhere else. That can be agriculture. That can be health. Look at the public health infrastructure system in India, right? I mean, it has been ignored over the years simply because of money that should have gone there hasn't gone there. It has gone to all these uh, public private sector banks and public sector enterprises in order to keep them going. So, and so because it's an unseen, no, because it's an unseen effect, uh, it is not uh, so straightforward for people to realize it. And I think that's what happens, and that's where the gap comes, and that's why I'm also always usually surprised that there's no uproar about this. I mean, you know, yeah, there's write- no uproar. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you something. So there's a funny story which I start the book with. Uh, uh, so this was sometime I think in January or February 2018. I was uh, in Pune at at the Symbiosis University, and and uh, I mean, if you've been to the you know the campus at Lavale, it's a lovely campus built on a hill, and I, and the the rest house uh, is at the top of the hill. So I was in a car and I was being driven up to the top of the hill. and i suddenly get a call from uh, someone at dainik jagran okay and uh, and 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 they say ki you know we want you to write a piece on uh, bad loans of banks so i was like achanak inko kya ho gaya bhai matlab itne saal se chal raha hai to abhi you know what has happened now that they suddenly want a piece on bad loans and then i realized that it was the time when nirav modi's fraud had essentially come to the fore and because you know so see see the thing here's the thing you know uh, media needs a face to sell a story right so if if you look at the entire bad loans problem the two people who have essentially become the face of the story one was obviously uh, vijay malya and the other was nirav modi yeah. and both of them uh, had a very very flashy lifestyle i mean uh, parties uh, you know uh, friends with all the celebrities lot of real estate to, to be honest your lifestyle has got nothing to do with this problem it just becomes an easier and better story to sell ha yeah it's so like which is true so because because of that so it's like you know hindi mein kya karenge kya aap jante hain ki priyanka chopra nirav modi ki dosti or something along those lines i mean i'm just saying i mean this is not to say that priyanka chopra was his friend or not but what i'm saying is that it becomes easier to sell a story when you have a face to it right and and you know the funny thing is that 
these are not these guys were small guys i mean uh, vijay malia's default uh, for public sector banks was around 9000 crore uh nirav modi's fraud was around 13000 crore now obviously you know numbers in its these numbers in itself are huge numbers but there were so many guys out there who had done a you know bigger default than these guys right so take the biggest defaulter out there abushan steel abushan steel uh, the chairman of the company uh, used to be a gentleman called bridge abushan uh, singal and uh, believe me you know i have spoken at various forums across india and i have asked people who do you think is the biggest defaulter i haven't got an answer till date okay and the funny thing is if you google uh, uh, you know if you google his image you will get just a couple of pictures so so obviously this guy has defaulted but because he has a very low profile lifestyle no one really knows about it so there's the nothing for the media to say haan. you know kya aap jante hain ki bridge bhushan singhal jo hai sansani khes khabar nahi hai so so that's the whole thing and 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 because the media is not highlighting it 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 doesn't come the other thing that happens is uh, you know uh, 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 and this works both ways Uh, a bank is 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 worried about its performance when there is a threat of a bank run right yep, yep. no bank clearly. wants a bank run. no clearly the given no the problem is that because all these banks are backed by the government there is that inherent guarantee which is there in the minds of people and it is also there in the minds of employees so everyone knows that no government is going to let a bank fail so because of this uh, there is no uproar because you know i mean if my money in the bank is safe why do i care whether uh... so, so i think i think the framing that i have been always looking at and i've never found it anywhere is right like up you increase personal tax by a small percentage point there's a massive uproar mm. forget all of that ltcg tax which is 10% and <laughs> a small percent of indians invest you know it's not I like india the amount of agitation that happens because yeah. on, on that is like and huge. right uh, stt stamp tax you know you in, you put a one paisa stamp tax and people like but i think because this is not considered the the, the common person who's taking a loan does not see this as a tax on themselves so somehow that story is always ki okay there was some there is something going on in the system it's not good i understand that it's not good that's why the word like bad and non performing and you know all the negative words are being used it's a bit complicated because you know i don't see a lot of people who can understand that which is where you know books like yours can add a lot of value because i think till people fundamentally understand what's going on it's very hard to build a judgment around it right and these are like these are second third order events from what you see yes it's not it's not straightforward to understand also i mean see what what happens is if you if you look at the uh, indian case and this is a point that uh, dr viral acharya made sometime in 2016 uh, who was he was the deputy governor of rbi between 2017 and 2019 and what dr acharya said that you know when the name of the country or the name of the state is there in the name of the bank right. you know forget explaining things to people people understand that there is an inherent guarantee you know you know that a union bank of india or a central bank of india or a punjab national bank or a state bank of india or a bank of maharashtra or a punjab and sindh bank i mean one can go on and on uh, is not going to fail because it has got the name india in it right so legally and, the legally the support is only till 5 lakhs now it was one lakh earlier it was one lakh earlier but so i find it but you know i find it very very you know i uh, strange that 
IDBI bank, which hmm. is now a private bank, but which was a public. I mean, it's a private bank because I know. I mean, in name, but it's still a public sector bank because LIC ultimately owns it. So okay. anything that LIC owns is cannot be a private bank. Right. Cannot be private. So uh, anyway, so technically it's a private bank, but it used to be a public sector bank up until early uh, last year. The bad loans rate for IDBI bank was close to thirty-three percent, but the deposits were. Till there. You know, they didn't go up or anything, but they were but okay. There was no run. There was no there run. There was no run. There was no run. Phenomenal, yeah. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't figure out, you know, I couldn't like, in, you know, I, I mean, I thought and thought about it. And I was like, yeah, how can you bank with a bank where one third of the loans are going bad? I mean, why do that to yourself, right? Now, obviously, there's a guarantee. I understand that. But then, you know, you you also, as you know, you need to understand that there are, you know, at, at one point of time, there were 27 public sector banks, right? So even there, there is a lot of choice. So why do you want to bank with an IDBI bank when you can go bank with a State Bank of India or a Vijaya Bank or an Indian bank where the rate of default was much, much lower? But it's just That's that the weird. guarantee... Uh, that's where the certainty bias also plays a part. Yes, yes. It's twenty-five basis points more on FD. Yeah, I mean, I find that very, very ridiculous. You know, but agar, it, but I the, mean, we see that, just we hear please, that all the time. No, no, and you know, I find it so difficult to explain to senior citizens that. So you know, you know, at, at, I mean, it doesn't happen now anymore. But uh, till around five, six years back, you you used to have these uh, uh, FDs with funny maturity periods, eight, eighty-nine days. Hmm. 1100 days and they would probably have you know an interest rate which was 25 basis point more and right. i you know i tried explaining to people that okay you know if if on 889 days you are getting 8.5% let's say but on a 5 year or or on a 3 year deposit if you are getting 8.5 please go around and take that 8.5 because you know you're getting that 8.5 guaranteed for a period of 3 years which is the longer more maturity. than 89 yes. days people just didn't get it i mean i'm like you know this is as simple as things can get but nahi usme zyada de raha hai are bade kitna zyada de raha hai ye bhi to dekho वहां पे नो दीज आर दीज आर द प्लेसेस वेयर फ्रेमिंग एंड मार्केटिंग एंड सम ऑफ दीस थिंग्स बिकम एक्चुअली मोर इन प्लेसेस व्हेन यू रियलाइज दैट मैथमेटिक्स इज टॉट हॉरिबली इन इंडियन स्कूल्स इट इज एज सिंपल एज दैट एंड कंपाउंडिंग इज समथिंग व्हिच इज नॉट टॉट एनीवेयर इट्स नॉट जस्ट इंडियन इंडियन स्कूल्स राइट कंपाउंडिंग इज नॉट टॉट एनीवेयर पीपल I think two things which 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 uh, which kind of and again sorry I'm digressing here a little bit. No, it's okay. Yes, I mean, digressions are what make an, any interview interesting. I mean, if we stick to the topic, it's <laughs> boring. No I think there are two things which people should learn really early on in math class, but they're not taught. One is compounding, and the second is statistics. We are taught, uh, you know, integrals and differentials things which we are never going to use but we so don't understand probability well law of large numbers is something if i ask 100 people I, my guess is not more than 5 people will genuinely understand what law of large numbers means yeah. and what See, it implies that's something you know i i struggle with this all the time like let's say you're sitting and this happens you know with a lot of my school friends also i mean we went right. to the same school got the right. same education right so uh, so i i mean i remember the story distinctly 2017 december i was uh, 2017 december yes i was in rachi uh, this was one year after demonetization had happened okay and i was trying to explain some concept something 
regarding hmm. demonetization. I don't remember that. And one guy sort of stops me and says, but Vivek, मेरे भाई के साथ तो ऐसा हुआ था इंपॉर्टेंस ऑफ You know, you were like bored in school. Are you? What are you studying? What is happening? When you come out and when you see the kind of teaching others have gone through, you then realize that the, the math teacher who was like you know little strict and was very boring on most days, and probably taught only you know if he had five classes a week, he probably taught only two classes or three classes. But those three classes, he taught you what was Not important. Right. Not bad, right? But then that life teaches you. You know, you don't realize its importance when you're there. You know, you realize it much, much later. So, power of compounding is something that people don't. Uh, they don't get it. At, they don't get it. I mean, and which is what it is. You know, most of the you know big decisions in life are around that. So, but if you send them a, a meme, then everyone gets it, right? The meme which says 1.01 compounded 360 to the power of 365 and 0.99 to the That everyone gets, but they don't or get the, the chess board thing. Or the chess board, or the one one rice, two rice, four rice. For every uh, grain, you know, you double the grains for every squares. And he ran out of rice cakes. So, so coming back to you know, NP, what can what can the current government do? Is there is there are there any? Yeah, of course there are solutions. Policy so, actions yeah. that they should definitely take. So, uh, see, here's the thing. Uh, so you know when when i sort of uh, when, during the process of writing this book i uh, i mean other than reading there are two very uh, you know two surprising sources uh, for for what, a lot of what has been written in this book one uh, was the economic and political weekly and i mean a lot of people think that it is a leftist rag and <clears throat> which it may i mean their editorials may be uh, more left of center than uh, normal but 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 the research pieces that get published in the epw are you know if you want to write anything serious on india and and you want a broader perspective before you start writing it epw you know has to be uh, the journal to consult the other big source for me uh, essentially uh, was uh, or rather were speeches given by rbi governors and deputy governors and executive directors so once you read all of this and and then i read everything that uh, all the are you know all the books that rbi central governors essentially bank governors wrote central uh, no the rbi governors not central governors the rbi governors wrote over the years uh, raghuram rajan uh, yv reddy bimal jalan d subarao now the if you read all this and what you essentially realize is that the government needs to run banks as a business okay they need to run it as an invest they need to run it as an investment as a business and not as as an owner the government runs these banks as 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 an owner and that's the that's the most fundamental problem uh, the department of financial services which is in charge of banks essentially uh, and because of that what happens is that public sector banks have dual regulation they report to the rbi they also report to the department of financial regulations uh, financial services 
so at any point of time the 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 mandate that the public sector bank is trying to uh, meet is one what the rbi has set for it and is also what the dfs has set for it so which is where the problem starts uh so if you so to, if i were to sort of explain this in a in 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 a very simple way the total market capitalization of all public sector banks in india is lower than that of hdfc bank right i mean this is a figure that's been bandied around quite a lot but the the number that i find even more interesting is that the market capitalization of kotak mahindra bank is 1 lakh crore more than the market capitalization of state bank of india i mean when i checked it last this is like around a week 10 days back Nothing so the kotak yeah i mean this is like bizarre so kotak mahindra bank's market cap was around 2.7 lakh crore and sbi's market cap was around 1.7 lakh crore okay right now kotak mahindra bank is a puny 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 bank in front of sbi now assume sbi was run as a proper business uh, what would happen first thing that would happen is sbi would have a proper market capitalization and not just sbi every other public sector bank would have proper market capitalization so the first thing that uh, you know people uh, when you tell them that uh, public sector banks need to be run as a proper business they tell you are but social sector ka kya hoga you know the government it is not about profit it is you get all that yeah now the point is uh, take a situation like this you know we are going through covid the government is short of revenue uh and uh, but it needs to spend money now what if a state bank of india instead of being valued at 1.7 lakh crore was valued at 10 lakh crore right the government could easily sell 10% of sbi get 1 lakh crore and do all the social sector spending that it wants to right that's one part the second part is when the government runs uh, these institutions as a business they can incentivize banks to do something so like 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 i mean right now public sector banks are forced to open janthan accounts hmm. if these banks had proper market capitalization the government could easily incentivize them ki bhaiya hum aapko jo hai ek bank account kholne ka 500 rupya denge aap kholiye so you know so so if you let let the business if you let these banks run as a proper business then things start to happen so so the, the concept that i've used in my book is 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 called the axis bank model and this comes from a a, a report called the pjni committee report of 2014 what is the axis bank model you know axis bank when uh, it was launched in the 90s uh, was launched as a private bank even though its owners were all public sector institutions right, right. Uh, and because it was run as a private uh, launched as a private bank it was run as a proper business and over the years the government uh, sold its stake in the bank and made a lot of money in the process hmm. and that money was you know whatever it was used for government expenditure at various points of time so so if th- that sort of model can be followed you know that would do them a lot of good the other i mean let's say if all this is not possible i mean i can understand there is a lot of problem the the final point that i would like to make here is that you know there at at one point of time there are 27 public sector banks i mean now there are 12 but then they are as good as 27 okay if you still look at a lot of these merged banks you know they are merged on paper but they continue to operate you know if you want to deal with let's say uh you know central bank of india uh, i think dena bank which is merged i think which has been merged into bank of baroda the systems still don't talk to each other and so on and so forth 
so uh, forget that now the if if you look at these banks uh, and you want to run them properly what you need to do is that you need to have limited mandates for the smaller banks you know a bank like dena bank or a bank like indian overseas bank or a bank of maharashtra or uh, union uh, sorry united bank you know these banks need not give out corporate loans okay these banks they don't need to be in every line of business retail yeah. loans aap retail loan do na bhai chup chap and retail loans if you look at data it is very very clear the the npa rates of public sector banks are you know a little worse than that of private sector banks now why is that the case that is the case because in case of retail loans the guy who has the knowledge also has the power so what that means is that the guy who who does the due diligence for the loan also has the power to decide whether that you know individual needs to be given a loan or not the same is not true for corporate loans because there are all kinds of pressures so what you do is basically you limit the mandate so take a bank like bank of maharashtra has beautiful presence all across maharashtra so let that bank be limited to retail loans let them do working capital finance they don't have to go out and give a corporate loan to a big builder why then you will give them loan targets then they will be forced to do corporate loans right like that's the other which is the other part the flip side of the coin so, that you're talking so about I, so, so you have to do these things smartly and uh, and see basically what what happened was that in india project loans used to be given by project finance institutions now project finance institutions died and uh, banks had to sort of replace them now the problem was that there were these three four big pro- project finance institutions and that's where the expertise was right now suddenly 27 banks needed to have an expertise in project finance that was simply not possible that never got developed so you need to have five big banks let's say state bank punjab national bank bank of baroda canara bank and possibly one more bank which can do all the corporate lending they want to and the other banks need to have specific mandates two quick questions you know before we before we end one is um is have you seen the end of this um do you think there are more cockroaches in the cupboard right oh of course uh, i mean see you look at just uh, the real estate sector i mean uh, the way they have been mollycoddled for the last few years and the way their loans have been restructured and 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 you know it's it's very simple to me if flats are not selling how will these loans be repaid mm. i mean you can come up with all the jargon you can give me all the logic but if the homes are you know if a million ho- homes all across india continue to remain unsold how are the loans going to be repaid so that is one big uh, problem the other big problem is the power sector uh because what is happening again is that a lot of power sector uh, state electricity distribution companies the discoms are not paying the power companies and if, if they don't pay power companies how do power companies uh, repay loans so these are the two big uh, things the third thing obviously is covid now i mean you know that will create its own set of uh, uh problems uh, so i think what will happen now is that uh, uh I, for one year we'll obviously try to postpone i mean we'll do restructuring we'll do all that and uh but then ultimately uh, you know uh, someone sort of uh, i mean uh, ultimately loans will have to be uh, will have to be repaid and if they're not being repaid they'll have to be recognized as bad loans but we'll try our best to sort of uh, not uh, sort of recognize the problem at one go and then we'll try pushing the can down the road and so all that you know so basically what happened between 2011 to we 2015 we haven't learned our lessons is, no, no, is that is that the is that the big yeah, yeah, yeah. the big so we will we will do the same thing this regularly for bearings or wo sab phir se hoga aur uh, 
see it's it's ultimately it's something that you know viral acharya told me in an interview few days back and i think that was a very profound point that he made and he makes it in his new book also so he he said uh, he he said that you know when a government owns banks uh the uh, the government can meddle with rules regulations depending on you know the way it wants now what also happens is the corporates also the corporates are not fools they know that the government can meddle rules right so essentially uh, a fallout of uh, the government owning a large part of the financial system is and again this is a third order fourth order effect is crony capitalism fair enough Right. If the government did not have that stake, and you know, in and and did not want to sort, I mean, it it did not sort of keep, keep you know keep changing rules as it went along. I mean, then the corporates couldn't do much about it. So, well, one last question to end. Uh, QE in two thousand nine kind of saved the global economy. Now we have something called QE infinity, tons and tons of liquidity. Um, it's mostly at financial assets, but eventually we know it will move to real assets. it historically always comes to em um is that something that can kind of help us out at least in the near term here by at least kick starting uh, some growth it's uh, some infrastructure growth yeah so see here's the thing i mean i don't think qe essentially helped save the global economy in 2008 it again essentially kicked the can down the road because the biggest structural issues <clears throat> the, the lack of growth in the western economies the the fact that the people are getting older and uh, and the population is not growing as fast as it used to i mean the structural issues still remain also what qe did was you know it 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 boosted uh, the financial markets it boosted the real estate market and that led to uh, a certain uh, segment of the population uh, feeling wealthier or you know feeling richer uh it did not trickle down to the you know what what in 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 what the us they call the main street you know it essentially went to the wall street and uh, and and you know and a similar thing seems to be the difference this time around i guess is that the governments are at least in the western world trying to hand a lot of uh, money into the hands of people which did not happen checks, yeah ha huh, which did not happen post 2008 and you know it should have and it should it did not Uh, all the money went into rescuing uh, essentially all the uh, you know the big banks uh, uh so that is a good thing to some extent and you know and, i mean the, the problem with all this is that you know let's say this money uh, you know it's already coming into the stock market tons and tons of it into india and you have uh, nifty which is at a price to earnings ratio of more than 31 which is like you know an unheard of uh, scenario so there are no earning i mean there are limited earnings uh, but the market still remains strong so i mean so from a point of view of uh, you know people making money it can possibly be a good thing but but then from the point of view of the overall economy i don't think it's a good thing now let's say this money starts coming into real estate you now the market is already so uh, you know highly priced and if if more real money comes into it then just, just to clarify i think what vivek i mean is highly priced based on affordability not right. based on what it has done in past 10 years you might think that your real estate portfolio has not done anything in the past 10 years but for yeah, it's, it's, most it's part of the on, country real estate is not affordable it's not affordable at all i mean you know in an on an average one can say that in in probably the big 8 9 cities in india it it will take you at least 40 to 50 lakhs to buy anything half decent right right uh, on an average i mean i mean obviously there are cheaper i mean you know if you go live on the outskirts of a city you'll always you'll always get cheaper property uh so uh 
and you know that is where the problem is and the problem is much deeper because what happens is that and what what a lot of people don't realize is that uh, one is that a, a house which has been built and in which no one is living is essentially a huge waste of money okay because it's an asset which is not being utilized uh, the second thing that happens is if these homes don't get sold newer homes don't get built and if newer homes are not built uh, you know uh, again i mean it it impacts uh, employment in a huge way if you if you if you read the history of uh, you know how developing uh, nations become developed nations one of the key things that happens is that a lot of people move away from agriculture uh, and get into construction because agriculture is no longer very viable you get into construction and construction as an industry as a sector can offer a lot of low skilled and semi skilled jobs now one of the reasons that you know india's demographic dividend is crashing is because india's construction and real estate sector has been in a mess for the last decade so if you don't let real estate prices fall then the then the construction and the real estate sector is never going to take off again and then you know that has one is it it it, it creates problems for jobs the other thing is that real estate has a huge multiplier effect yeah. i mean uh, there was a study that i remember uh, you know was done a few years back and they said that real estate has an impact on 250 other industries other sectors so i mean so something as basic as you know cement uh, sand steel and you know and when once you move in you know yeah. anything furnishing anything. i mean because you live uh, there, right i mean you spend a lot of your time in your home so. right so 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 this is you know so and this is something that people don't uh i mean people who have obviously you know who have invested in real estate and and and, and, and you know haven't gotten a good return uh, they don't realize this that uh, you know if i mean the amount of uh i mean obviously it's a free country and everyone can buy what they want to but you know the amount of uh, nuisance is probably not the right word here but the uh, you know when you buy a house and you keep as an investment and you keep it locked i mean you know you are really doing disservice to it is another kind of an npn non productive asset it is and you know, it's equally bad because it, you know yeah. it's too bad i mean and i yeah. see so many people you know uh in you know when when they sort of start to do well i mean i can understand you want to you know you want a house for yourself right now everyone nothing wrong there if you don't want to rent a house you want to buy a house please feel free but once you have a house i mean what is this need to buy one you know a second house and a third house and i mean i just don't get it and that creates so many i mean and then they keep it locked <laughs> i mean if you gave it out for rent at least you know the rents would come down and someone else would benefit but that also does not happen absolutely so it's like you know when when you're looking uh, for a house it's 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 sort of a low supply low demand problem you know right now yes yes yeah. and neither side wants to give in right i mean that's the other thing in india there is no leverage in the real estate market so at least the buyers they are they're not forced yeah, i mean to... we can talk about real estate uh, for, uh, for another hour <laughs> so but it's, this, it's something uh, which is you know which is even more screwed up than the banking sector is so it it, it has more deeper structural issues uh, any day I mean, especially any where any the buyer, who are the buyers and you know kind of like anything i mean it, use it, of the property it links up to you know right down to political funding yeah and it's just it it links up to everything yeah. and anything <laughs> that you can think of in this country so
perfect though uh, thanks vivek thanks a lot uh, thanks god uh, for having me and i had uh, great fun talking to you otherwise you know in, you know when you talk to people they just stick to these two three things and you and after a point you're just beating your head yaar ye kahan aa gaye no no we had uh, we had a lot of fun too. and i hope you know everyone you should buy the book uh, it's called that money learn about nba it's important i think uh, people don't give it as much credit as they should um, of course stock markets right now are rallying so people are discounting pretty much everything under the sun but uh, some of these structural issues eventually catch up and and i think uh, knowing more about them will make us all more informed about these issues thanks again vivek as pleasure Thanks having you bye bye